With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fucking thing was recorded the last three minutes and didn't even know. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. We come into this show on the back of a defeat, bitter one, get knocked out of the Caribou Cup semi-finals. Um, Mike, before we get into get into that match, firstly, Happy New Year. Um, the last year was a bit of a shit show for everyone, especially Liverpool winning the title, and hopefully this year we'll have something to sing about. We won't have the Caribou Cup, though. But, um, Mike, how did you bring in the new year? Uh, just me and, my, me and my partner. Just a very, very relaxed new year. Um, it's just a bit odd, really. Mm. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was very nice, though. I mean, I, just, I don't make a big deal of New Year's, personally, anyway. I think it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I, prefer, I prefer we just stop that as an enforced celebration. Well, it's good to get a bit of Jules Holland in. Oh, no, I, I didn't. We just, we just watched films and then drank a lot. That's <laughs> what so we did. Sounds good. Right, so getting into the game, then, the main talking point this morning... I just want to touch on quickly too because we didn't do a podcast last week and I feel that we're jumping into this one on potentially a barrel of negativity but I don't think it needs to be like that because things are positive at the moment. I don't think last night's defeat to Man City showed me a team that was terrible. I think we were beaten by a better team. I think we played reasonably well. We controlled phases of the game but City just had that bit more quality in that final third um, and their goals, by the way, Mike, the two goals, I think both of them were avoidable. Um, would you agree? Like defensively, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, if we're going to talk about winning league titles, we need to shore up the defence and stop conceding so many set pieces. I sent you a message saying, the fuck is Shaw doing? Yeah. Literally, he's the guy supposed to be marking John Stones, and he just half assed jogs and watches John Stones as Stones runs in front of him to just a very, very good free kick. But, you know, this is, again, this is something you pointed out on more than one occasion on this show. United's defending on set pieces is absolutely atrocious. Um, I mean, the second one was a was a better goal, but, that, I mean, it was just inexcusable that John Stones run, really, to like that. To concede a goal like that, it's very, very poor. What happened? Uh, what happened? Because the ball comes through the box, okay? And I'm looking, I know they kind of love their <clears> attention <throat> is on Diaz running into the back post. But Stones is just left wandering, throws his knee at it, and luckily he gets into the back of the net. But it seems like Harry Maguire and all the players around him, defenders, lose the, the, the use of their limbs. 
Don't get me started on Maguire. Just do not get me started on Harry Maguire. The most overrated defender I've ever seen in my life, Dale. Ooh, that's a big no. statement. No, he is. He is. You say, find me a more overrated centre-half than him. Maybe Thiago Silva, because I never thought he was that good either. But very, very poor. Very poor. Like, he's clearly not the centre-half we thought we were getting when we bought him. But he doesn't do it week in, week out enough for a player that... You bring in for eighty million. He's your leader. He's your captain. Apparently, doesn't uh, lead. Yeah, doesn't I'm, lead. I'm wondering... Doesn't marshal his defence. Um, doesn't concentrate fully for ninety minutes in games. Keeps switching off. This is this is really basic stuff. This and he just doesn't do it. Like he's um, maybe he'd be better with a, 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 an actually good centre half next to him. But um... but didn't things improve in recent weeks? Because the big talking point before the game, Mike, was that. Eric Bailey wasn't starting and, and Victor Lindelof had come in. Now, for me, I, I think you've said it many times this podcast, we both agree. A, a centre-back who, who isn't really good in the air, it, it's just... I, I, I don't see the, the whole point in it. Now, it wasn't no. really the problem. Oh, also, he's particularly quick, either. No, he's not quick. But that was the big talking point last night. So, just to get on that with Eric Bailey, I can understand why he didn't start last night. Because... And in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. We can say, oh, we lost the game. And if he was playing, it would have been different, probably. But when that team was announced, we have to we have to really think back into to, to Bali's time at Manchester United. He's playing brilliant right now. But if you really think playing him in every, every game between now and the end of the season is going to work, it's not because he, he's someone who, who, who jumps into tackles at times and injures himself. Mm. He's his own worst danger. Okay, and Solskjaer is trying to kind of say, right, this hasn't worked in the past. I'm going to take you out of this game. I probably won't play against Watford either. I'm going to play against Burnley and pick and choose his games. I think that's what he should do. Now, we lost last night, but if you can't rely, if Manchester United can't rely on their third choice, or for most of the case, second choice centre-back, who is Victor Lindelof, that's a big problem. City had. Can't give me lying the first choice. Ten and a half. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So we City had Diaz, Stones, who both played exceptionally last night, especially Diaz. Diaz was brilliant. He um, he looks very very good to me. I mean, he's good enough that he's keeping the port out of the team, and the port's not even getting into the team. There you yeah. go. So that's that's the comparison, Mike. What I'm trying to make is we're up against the likes of Man City, okay, who haven't really got flowing yet this season. I think they will. I think they will. But look at that strength and depth. Look at they can bring in Laporte from that. He wasn't the starting lineup last night. He starts in our in our in our team. He will be our best defender in our team. Okay. That's can a big I, can I just add something as well? They had something in midfield we don't have, which is Ilke Gundawan. We don't have anyone who can do what he does in midfield, just sitting back and dictating the pace of the game, keeping the ball moving. He's so good. And considering the injuries he's had in his crease, the problems of his knees and his back, some serious issues, he's been a, a brilliant signing for them. It's kind of overlooked, actually, what a good signing for them he's been. We could do with someone like him in the middle. Do we not have I'm Danny sure Van Der Beek? Van... Well, yeah. I don't understand why he's not playing. He keeps persisting with Paul Pogba, who's been okay. He's been fine lately, but you know, whatever the player we thought Paul Pogba was when we were getting him, he's just he's just not that player. <laughs> you see, so, um, I seen someone last night... <laughs> level a bit of criticism towards Solskjaer about Pogba and saying that he's been managing him poorly in the past few weeks. Well, I totally disagree. And I, I think it's something that we touched on as well in a recent podcast that 
he hasn't played him in every game since that outburst from his agent. And when he's played Pogba, Pogba has actually contributed. Now, last night he didn't. Um, and that happens. Nope. I, 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 but I won't... Last night I won't point the finger at Pogba because I look at the whole midfield and it totally collapsed. We had no midfield. Bruno had a bad day. That happens. Pogba had a bad day. McTominay had a bad day. I thought Fred was okay. He had phases in which he tied up bits and was okay. But I said something before a game to, to one of our writers and they totally disagreed. Um, they showed me the, the starting lineup from this fixture a year ago and the differences. So you had William starting, you had Daniel James starting and a few others. And they were comparing how, how much better it is a year on and I totally agree. And what I was saying was, now I hope a year on it's better again. And I look at that midfield and I look at Scott McTominay and Fred, who have both been brilliant, but they've both been brilliant this season. But for, for United to get to that next level, I think they need a world-class holding midfielder or a defending midfield, defensive midfielder. Fine, be, how long have I been saying that? Exactly. But so one player, Mike, to do two of their jobs. Why is there two players in midfield trying to do that job? I understand I'm... it against City, but it happens a lot of weeks. I'm trying to work out why we didn't make why we didn't make a go of trying to buy Thomas Partey. I didn't understand that because mm. he's what he's what we don't have in midfield. I know he's bit he's had the reason I've struggled this year is because he's been injured for like a good substantial part of the season, and I think they really struggled without him. Like probably their best. And he was superb against us. He ran that game. He just ran that game. Um, and I think what he would have had at United, but he doesn't have at Arsenal until the emergence of uh, Emile Smith-Rowe recently, is that you would have had somebody ahead of him in the midfield in Bruno, who he could quickly get the ball shifted out to, to set United on the attack, which he hasn't had at Arsenal because they've not played Meza Urza, which is, I touched on last week, why I think Ole has handled Pogba the way he has, because he doesn't want a Meza Urza situation. I wouldn't have done that personally. I would have literally, before the Leipzig game, I would have put him on a plane and said... You are not playing for this football club ever again. You're going to sit this out until you move somewhere else. But Ole made the decision. He's the man in charge. The fans have just got to respect that decision that he's made, whether we agree with it necessarily or not. But you can at least understand and empathise who he made that call, right? Mm. Um, but we really lack a world-class defensive midfielder. I think Wilfred indeed is someone whose name has been mentioned a lot because he's a terrific athlete. The thing with Bailly is that on natural ability, he is the best central defender at the club. He is. He's the best athlete. He's quick. He's strong. He's good in the air. He's got everything you want from all the primary attributes for centre-half. He's not great on the ball, which is the one thing that plays against him. But if you put him in there with somebody who is good on the ball, that you can kind of cover for that a little bit. Um, but United really need a centre-half that can dictate what everybody is doing. If you can't find that player, then it has to be a holding midfielder and getting another good centre-half and you can kind of balance it out a bit. Virgil van Dijk's are exceptionally rare at the moment. There, There is very few centre-halves like that. Ruben Diaz looks like he might be one from what I saw him yesterday. I thought he was outstanding. But they did have Fernandinho in there, even at his age now. The way he did take swings in the midfield is just outstanding. You had Ilke Gundogan. United really lack people like that in midfield to run the game. They just don't have it. You're not. You're not about to suggest Sergio Ramos, are you? 
Um, we need to be cutting mistakes out of the United's defence, not throwing them in. <laughs> Although, to be fair, let's defend Ramos here. In terms of a big match player, there is very few better big match players in the world than Sergio Ramos. Oh, in a want... game like that, actually, you probably would have him in there. <laughs> let's be let's be serious about this, because he would also he's also the kind of player that makes sure standards don't slip. Well, I'd sign him alone for that trip to Anfield in, in a week or so. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that one game. Just for that one game to Mark Salah. Uh, so, so, so moving on again, sticking well, sticking to the Carabao Cup. This was Ali's fourth semi-final since taking over Manchester United. He's lost the second in the Carabao Cup. And the second, that was against City as well. Mike, that's... That doesn't read well, does it? No, no one would be more irritated by that than Ollie, as someone who, as a player, had a history of winning, winning big matches, win semi-finals, win finals, and he will be trying to drill into these players. Guys, you cannot be letting these opportunities slip. Now, let's be clear about this. As you said before, United were beaten by a better team yesterday, the way City played that game. You could see their experience of winning big matches that they had, that that United team doesn't have. You know, the way that they could manage the game and kill it off and see it out and take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't need, they don't have someone like an Anthony Martial who's in desperate need of going on some sort of assertiveness personality course. So, <laughs> you know, whatever people think of Gabriel Jesus, all right, maybe he lacks a few goals, but you can't deny he doesn't keep defenders occupied. Like, absolutely, and he doesn't get himself involved. And he, he doesn't make it difficult for people and create space for teammates around him. You know, uh, you, the Adiola, they've won so much under him. You just saw it come to fruition in that game. And United really need to, they really need to get on top of that. At some point, they're going to have to win one of these games. Can't keep losing these semi finals like this. And that suddenly makes the Europa League so much more important than it was before. United really have to think about winning that competition now. Well, the, this weekend we have the FA Cup against Watford, and I think there's a bit more romance about the FA Cup anywhere, anyway, isn't there? I, I'm not saying, oh, we're out of the, F, the League Cup now, you know, it, it's not worth anything. I would have loved him to have won that, because Solskjaer needs a trophy. If he doesn't win one this season, I think it puts him under immense pressure going into that third campaign without one, and he'll, be hard, he'll, he'll find it hard to keep his job this season, if he doesn't win a trophy and doesn't get into the top four, which, look, I, we will get into the top four, I, I've, I, I'm confident about that, but it does put that pressure going into his third full season without a trophy, because I remember saying about Jorgen Klopp, um, he eventually went on to, to win the Champions League, um, Guardiola got the, the League Cup out of the way, Jose Mourinho tends to always get the League Cup out of the way, because it, give, it gives the team this boost, and I was hoping before the game last night, with what we've seen in the league, with this resurgence and, and and basically being on Liverpool's heels, I was hoping for a bit of a boost. A bit of a boost to give the players a final to look forward to. The The Carabao Cup final takes place in April this year, so it's it, it's down the road. And I just think it would have been nice to have a final booked in um, against Spurs, against Mourinho. And I, I would have fancied it. And this, see... I think City will walk away with it. If they play any way the way they did against us last night, oh, even with the second strength side, they will wipe the floor with Spurs. 
Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, you know, because I watched them against. I don't know if you. I don't know if you watched them against Chelsea at the weekend. Yeah, I thought Chelsea free, were but... poor as well, though. I thought Chelsea yeah, they were. were also... They were poor, but also City only played at like full blast for about twenty five minutes because that was all they needed to do. If City really wanted to, they could have won that game about seven or eight nil. That's not an exaggeration. There was a point early on in the second half where City had about two or three chances and they could have doubled that scoreline from three nil to six. It was so easy for them. Uh, yeah, Chelsea were poor, but you know we were, they were a much better team and yeah, that, that they'll beat Spurs. You mentioned Klopp. All right, it was a few years before he won a trophy, but they still got to I think like three cup finals. Before they won the first trophy, I think they got to a League Cup final. They got to a Europa League final. But they lost them, though. To a champ- they got, yeah, but we're not even getting to finals, Dale. <laughs> they need to be getting into the finals. It's no good going out in the semis all the time. Like, yeah, but know, I will say, Mike, I, I do remember a lot of jokes about Jorgen Klopp and how there was one particular crude joke that his um, his wife is a big fan of, of Jorgen because he always comes second. Um. Yeah, but uh, hang on. To be fair, Jurgen Klopp had won major trophies already at Dortmund. He, he He'd has. won two league titles and a poker and the the German Cup as well. And all he has won a major trophy, unless you want to class the Norwegian league. It's still a trophy. It's still a trophy, okay. and it, 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 it's 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 but but it's one that club hadn't won in a hundred years in their history, you know. I, I do think he's done good, good work. He hasn't had a he hasn't been in a in a managerial job as long as, as Jorgen Klopp, who's who's been. In, I, I'm playing play. devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate with you here, and a lot of other United fans who gave Pochettino a short shift because he hadn't won a trophy. Me? No, I I didn't. I never. Oh Pochettino. come on! You said it before. You were suspicious about the fact that he hadn't won a trophy. And, oh and no, all this, no, no, that, no, no. Pochettino's always been a. I've always been a fan of Pochettino, but still, to to this day, it. It it never came into to my vocabulary about Pochettino when, when we spoke about that because I realised the work that Pochettino has done at clubs. If you, Henry Henry Winter's done a piece on when he was at Southampton, how he like literally tore the whole training facilities up, made it his own, and improved everything. I know the kind of work that he does. Kind of he has a hands-on approach like Alex Ferguson had at United, not quite the same. And he's a great coach, but but with Solskjaer and the fact that. With the whole semi-final thing, I think it, it will creep up to him if he, if he doesn't win an FA Cup or, or Europa League this season. Um, but I think he can't go into his third campaign without a trophy. I think he'll have to win one then. I think he'll have to win one next season if he doesn't win one this year, as long as we have a good league campaign. He's going to have to finish second. He's going to have to finish second if he doesn't win a trophy this year. But, but can't be finishing third again. But can I say something as well? That something I've noticed in the past week or two. Um, there's been several outbursts in the media from managers about Oli Solskjaer, or Oli Gala Solskjaer. Um, we've had Mourinho in the past. He's always been mentioning the penalties. We've had Klopp with his embarrassing outbursts last week. We have to get on to that. Um, proper Kevin Keegan-style crap from from Klopp. And apparently before when he came to Premier League, it was charismatic Klopp, wasn't it? It was passionate Klopp. It was Klopp who could say whatever he wanted about referees, like we've seen this week, and get away with it. Because I remember if it was Jose Mourinho, if it was Alex Ferguson, they would have got fucking fined. But Klopp gets away with it the whole, whole time because he's charismatic. He's a nice guy. It's a load of rubbish. But anyway, what I've noticed... Are the likes of Klopp and the likes of Mourinho getting extra ratty 
about Solskjaer in the past few weeks. And I'm really loving it because his responses to that is, I don't care about them. I don't count as many penalties Liverpool get or how many times they go down inside the box. I don't care about that. I've got my own team to manage. And I think the other managers feel threatened by that because he doesn't care. He doesn't care that he's annoying them. And you can see you can see it with Klopp. How he, they won the league last season, okay? They're still on top of the top, top of the league. It's January and he's cracking. I don't think he's cracking. You don't? I don't think he's... No. No, I've seen I've seen managers at teams leading the pack who do this when the team has a bad run, it just kinda of diverts attention away from the team. The bad run no, is going to see it's cracking at all. And also I don't, I don't remember Mourinho. I don't remember Mourinho getting fined for making comments like this. He did not, not especially not his, not by the FA, maybe by UEFA he'd get fined. But for making comments about referees, Dan Mourinho used to do that all the time at Chelsea. You know, maybe when they had a bad defeat, or which wasn't very often in that first spell. But, but Mourinho has had a know, number of sanctions and fines from the FA, and Klopp can run down. He has. He has, and... he has the second time round. He's been in England. Yes, when. I think some of elements of Mourinho's act have started to wear a bit thin on people. Okay. And that will happen to Klopp as well. But Ferguson did it in the 90s all the time if United had a bad run. And he didn't get fined for it. It was only later on, I think, when he had his running battles with the BBC for a while and, and this kind of stuff, where maybe he started getting fined for not appearing on BBC doing interviews regularly. He had that full... It was like almost two years where he didn't do it. Um, it became quite funny in the end, I thought. But... Um, Mike Field doing fucking interviews from after the day. He, he just reminds, he reminds me so much of that Bradley Walsh character from Mike Bassett, England manager, the assistant. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think he's cracking. I think he's trying to divert attention away from Liverpool are playing poorly at the moment. I'd still have them as pretty heavy favourites to win the league. No. When you look at the players they've got to come back, or Thiago was literally just come back into the team. I think he'll be a huge difference maker for them as the season goes on. But, I mean, for, 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 oh, for United right now, if you're talking about where they stand in line to win the league, I'd probably say United were third favourites behind Liverpool and Man do, City. Do you know, Mike, at the start of the season, all the writers and strategy news did a prediction for the, the league, the top four or whatever it was. Uh, my top three was City, United and Liverpool. You're sticking with that, are you? Yeah, Liverpool yeah. are still top of the league. As poor as they've been, they're still top of the league. Yeah, it won't last long with City getting get, get their mojo now, trust me. I can see it, and I can tell, tell you, he's cracking. He would not have mentioned United's penalties any other time. What was that about? What was he... Like, seriously? I've they lost to Southampton 1-0. They could have conceded another two goals, and his focus after losing that match on Monday night was Man United penalties. Yeah, he was trying to divert attention away from his poor performance. Come on, Mike. That's what he was doing. He looked angry. He looked angry. Listen, the um, I'm not a huge fan of this kind of... Um, as much as I respect him as a coach, I think he's such a brilliant coach, Jürgen Klopp. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this kind of act that he pops up. I remember some of his behaviour on the touchline in Germany towards officials, which was extremely poor when things weren't going well for Dortmund. But on this occasion, I don't think he is doing that. I think he's just trying to... Because, um, don't remember, we're playing them, what, a week and a half from now? We're playing Liverpool in the league? Mm. It's not a coincidence. He's done it before, He's doing that close to that game. That's not a coincidence at all. He knows why he's done it. He's doing it to try and influence the referee before the game. 
Like big managers, they do that all the time. And listen, if Ole says something, listen, he's more than welcome to say something as well. In fact, I hope he does. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Solskjaer's done well. He's doesn't care about Klopp. Doesn't care about what Liverpool are doing. Just focus on ourselves and go to Anfield and beat him, right? So, Mike, we talked about Klopp tears. We've talked about the resurgent Man City scene off United, which is disappointing, of course, for us. But can we go on now this weekend, FA Cup against Watford, and give ourselves that boost that we've had in previous weeks? Because I remember last night, I felt really flat at full time. After all the past few weeks, really fucking high emotions and feeling brilliant about United and stuff. I think that was... That, I felt flat because... I felt sorry for Solskjaer and the team, I think, because that final would have been so nice. I didn't feel sorry for the players. The players shot themselves in the foot. I didn't feel sorry for them. But I felt sorry for the manager. Um, but I didn't feel sorry for the players, no. You think, <laughs> you, you think they, they totally dropped the... Oh, they dropped the ball big time. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Sissy were better. But Sissy don't make, weren't making stupid mistakes like we were making in that game. And that's, yeah. that's the one thing where, when I was talking about where the league standings... And look at City and Liverpool and go, those two teams can win 12, 13 games in a row. I'm still not convinced we can go and win that many games in a row, which is what you have to do to win the league. Well, this weekend, there's always been talk in the past week or so about is he going to rest players for the game against Watford? And I think had it, it was it was going on along the lines that Manchester United were favourites to beat City. In my eyes, they were. At the form we've had recently in the form they've, they've shown. Um... <sighs> I just it's just disappointing because City obviously the game against Chelsea did they got back up to the pace with things and they carried that into this game. But I had a lot of optimism going into going into the semi final and I thought even at the start of the season the Carabao Cup was the one we could have won. It was we we weren't talking about challenging for a league title, which now almost seems it, it could happen. But at the same time, it could happen, and we, we're out of the League Cup now. And in three weeks, we could be. I don't know. Could be fifth in the league. Could be sixth in the league. That's well, I don't quick... think. I don't. I don't think we'll fall. We'll, no, but we'll what? Fall but, like but, but what? My my point is is how easy it happens. It it happened. Yeah. It happened to Chelsea. It'll probably happen to to Spurs. Well, I don't think it'll happen. United. Our fixtures are quite okay. We'll beat Burnley. Liverpool will be a tough one. Um, afterwards, I think we've a few okay games. And we have Arsenal then. Have we got Arsenal? A bit of revenge. On the cards. We need to win that. We need to fucking win, beat Arsenal. Have to beat Arsenal. That's still, I think I mentioned on this pub before, like drives me mad that we lost that game. We should yeah. have, how we lost that game is, and the way we lost that game as well. It was things like that why people were questioning Solskjaer when they just look at the players going out there so meekly and pathetically and surrendering a game like that. That's where people were worried. It's not so much the tactics. It's like, like you can forgive things being off for the odd game and players not delivering, but. A lack of effort is really inexcusable <laughs> in a football match. There was a lack of effort there. So, United need to put that to right. I think we can rest a few players. I'm begging us to rest Bruno. Let's rest him, please, for this game. But I still think we can put a, we can put a strong team out there. I still want us to put out... I'd like to see a, a Greenwood and Rashford playing. Um, I'd like to see Van der Beek starting because I think he can get a grip in this game. Um Rest Harry Maguire. No great loss there to rest him, frankly. Um, I'd also rest Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who has been... I've said this before, Dale. He's been really poor this season. And I still can't believe it's not being talked about that United are in desperate need of another right-back because they really, really need one. I don't think they he's been poor this season. 
I don't and think, he's I think been defensively he's been way off the standards he was last season. In fact, he's been he's dropped off since coming back from the first lockdown. His standards have dropped. I've okay. noticed him making mistakes. I've noticed him not tracking runners. Um, you know, he's uh, not been recovering as well as he was before. I don't know whether he's tired or what. And then I know he uh, got that crossing for that goal against Villa, um, but he still offers very, very little going forward. And he needs, we need another right back. Even if it's just what's happened with Luke Shaw, we're bringing up, bringing in Alex Tellers has just made Luke Shaw up his game. Yeah. Because he suddenly realised, oh God, like I'm in trouble here. If I don't perform, I'm going to be out of the team and then I'll be out of the club. And I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka needs to kick up the arse because they need someone to go in there. They need someone more dynamic. Manchester Evening News have been reporting the past few months that they're looking at Kieran Trippier. With I think that, with, Max Aaron's was mentioned from Max Aaron's is another I, I would, one. I would rather take in Max Aaron's than Kieran Trippier, seeing as Kieran Trippier but, is saving a likely suspension right now. But the the thing is, I fully support the idea of having two fullbacks on each role that can come in. But United apparently turned down a loan move from Southampton for Brandon Williams this week, and he's kind of slotting into that right back role when 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 Wan Bissaka is not there. Apparently that's the plan. But why then have we seen this season the Fozu Mensis come in and even Victor Lindelof um at right Tran, back. Tran TV actually looked pretty decent at right yeah, back. He's he got did. the athletic ability to get up and down and he's decent on the ball, but you need someone who is um listen, I'm not saying go out and Trent Alexander-Arnold, I know he had a poor game the other day, but Trent Alexander-Arnold level fullbacks are really, really hard to come by. It's very hard to get hold of those players, and they've got two because they've got one on the right and one on the left. Uh, Robertson, I, I would actually argue he's better than Trent Alexander-Arnold, but they do need someone really dynamic going up and down that right-hand side, especially as we... And even if you've got, got Jadon Sancho, you still need someone there running that... Right, running that right hand side because but, the way Sancho plays, he's not a touchline hugging winger, he cuts inside. I think that's what we really lack, though. I think you're touching the end head there on the right. I think Wan Bissaka gets a lot of unfair criticism, um, about his, his game getting forward because we haven't got that right winger. His job for no, me, I don't, think, I don't think it is unfair, though. I don't think it is unfair. Like he needs to be making improvements, and that's anything, not the player he's... he is, Mike. That's not the player he is. He's not a. Yeah, trend. but if you look at his main attributes, he seems to have gotten worse in those areas in the last six months, and that's mm. a real concern. It's like if you can't do the thing that you were bought in for, like I just don't understand it. United looked at like fifty odd right backs, and they decided on one who literally offers zero going forward. I don't understand this. Uh, I still, for me, I think long term. They need to be looking at Aaron Wan-Bissaka as a centre-half because I think he'd be a brilliant defend, a central defender. That's what they need to be looking at. The problem yeah. is, at the moment, United have an abundance of right-footed centre-halves and they've got no left-footed ones. Yeah. And they need a left-footed centre-half, desperately. But I still think, long-term, Aaron Wan-Bissaka as a central defender would be would be absolutely brilliant. Even in a, even in a two, I think he'd be really good with someone really good next to him. Was, uh, you know, uh, not not as first choice right back. I'm sorry. Come just, on. Just before we move on from Wamba Saka, I'm going to say that I think I've I think I can count in my head three performances this season which he's done poorly. The it's game. Not 1998. The, like, the, the, the game against right. Istanbul was dreadful. Kept losing his man, the former City player. I was young, from City, whatever the fuck his name was. 
Um, last night was one to to forget, and there was another one not too long ago. And the the, the common theme in these three performances was that I remember facing the game where boards were coming in from the from the right flank, um, and they would come over the box. And this this player who Wambasaka should be on is just left on his own inside the box. Wambasaka is either outside the box or on the on the back post. He's nowhere near his man. And that's happened time and time again. And Leipzig, poor in that game. You Leipzig well, could have been that one. No, was it Istanbul? Or was it, no, was Istanbul well, no, it was both of them. them. It both was both of them. them. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was both of them. Um, the West Ham game in the sort of that post-lockdown phase of last season, he was poor. Um, he was really poor in that game. I thought he was caught short a number of times. Um, was it against Leicester, the 2-2? Just kept getting... Quite position all the time. Um, so, no, I, I, I could mention seven or eight performances where he's been poor you since think, coming back. Do you think um, he's a real area of concern? Because I look at that defence and Wan-Bissaka is probably the last player I look at as, as a player that I want to repl- replace. And maybe if the other three, if we were happy with the other, if we we're happy with the two centre-backs and someone was leading back there, we, we know he's a great defender, Wan-Bissaka. We know he's a brilliant defender. That, I think. I think you can even say he's proven that that he can. He's a brilliant tackler, superb tackler. But there have been times this season where it's been all over the place. But I looked at the whole defence, and there's not one person that doesn't that doesn't get a, a bit of criticism. And it has to come from the middle too, because yeah, but he's the only right back we've got. The only right back we've got is one that does nothing going forward, and arguably be the best right back we've had in about ten years. No. That's more of an indictment of the people we've had at right back than anything else. That's not that's not a compliment. Yeah, I, that's I, a, it's I, a really I, really low. That's a really really low bar. That's like that's like saying a year from now Joe Biden is a better president than Donald Trump. Well, yeah, the bar's really really low on this one. I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I I just don't think Wan Bissaka is that bad. I, I I think he's one of the best right backs in England. I don't. That's, no, no chance. What? No. No, he's no, he's not. Come on. Who's a better tackling right back than Wambasaka right now? He's good at tackling, but his overall game. No, come on. He's better than Trent defensively. Yeah. So why not have two of them at the Euros? Would that not be smart to go into games and say, right, we want to attack today? We'll go with Trent, and if we want to defend, go Wambasaka. There's no one better than him. There's there's no, no. one better than Wambasaka at defending. He's not even. I know he's not been as good this season because. Basically, because he's what twenty years old, Chant Alexander Arnold. He's exactly. still a young, young player. But Wan Bissaka, my young goodness, too. Dale, he is better than he's better than Wan Bissaka. Do me a favour. Not defensively. Oh, so you wouldn't say Chant Alexander Arnold over Aaron Wan Bissaka? Not defensively. I've seen, I've seen, oh. I've seen Trent being tearing apart at Old Trafford. Rashford doesn't the whole time. Before. It's not nineteen ninety eight, Dale. What you're asking of a right back is not how right backs have been playing for twenty years. I don't I, look. Look, United knew what they were buying when they bought Wambasaka, and they knew they weren't buying an attack attack minded right back. And I think if if on the left hand side, and Mourinho has done this time and time again with Aurier at Spurs, he seems to be the fullback when he plays that he lets him go up the wing, and on the opposite side, the fullback will stay. Who, who did he let go? He let Kyle Walker Peters go. Can anyone honestly watch the last twelve months and say Sergio Aurier is better than Kyle Walker? Oh no, Peters? I don't think anyone no, would ever have said that. No one would ever have said that. But my point is, you can play one fullback and let him wander up the line, up the wing and have another one who, who's going to be sit back and a defensive minded one. I don't see anything wrong with that. I would much rather, and, and 
Look, people can talk, look, point to the goals of Trent. Trent's the best right back in England. The stats and watching him and crossing, you can't argue with it. But you have to also look at a team's dynamic. And I think that's why Sorcher brought in Tellez. And to have that attack-minded right back, left back, I think he'll do a right back as well. I, like, I think that's his plan. I, I think he wants an all-round squad. But I really don't look at that defence right now and say Wan-Bissaka is a weak link. I think Wan-Bissaka has the makings to be an incredible right back still. Incredible right back. I, 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 um, no, I think Reese James at Chelsea is a better right back than uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka as well. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I think Matt Doherty... Uh, the Wolves now he's at Spurs has been better in the last couple of years he's been, right yeah, he's been good but yeah. he's been um, good, and I but... think uh, what's his name at Leicester Pereira as well so I've given you four there that I would take over Aaron Wan-Bissaka right now right so this is a call out then to everyone listening to the podcast um Please, no, nobody who reads the website likes me anyway. So I'm only no, no, don't. That, that, that's bullshit, Mike. That's bullshit. A lot of people don't like me either. I want people to jump on Twitter because no, I'm interested in hearing this because I don't know what the masses think about Wan Bissaka. Really, he, he's not a player that we that we focus on a lot in the blog as a defender. You know, you focus on your midfielders and your attackers mostly. Um, so no, I want to hear people's thoughts on Wan Bissaka. Um, tweet us at the Straightcast or at Straighty News, whatever you prefer. Let us know what you think about this discussion. Do you think there is that many right backs in the Premier League that are better than Wan Bissaka? I certainly don't think so. But Mike, we're, we're bound to agree, disagree at times, um, and it's healthy discussions. So there's nothing wrong with that. So look, we'll leave it on that note on the Wan Bissaka one. I was not expecting Mike. I was not expecting to have. A discussion of some of this nature about Wan Bissaka. I thought we would have been speaking about Harry Maguire this way, or about fucking Paul Pogba or Martial. Actually, before we go, sorry, listeners, hold you for an extra ten minutes. I want to talk about Anthony Martial. That's when we kind of left under the rug because last night again wasn't one of his better games. Um, I think there was times where he just took too many touches of the ball time and time again and it was another one of those but he's having too many of them Mike and there were some people tweeting last night that is a time in the summer to to get rid of him I don't I would go that far after one game but I would certainly raise questions as to when Cavani's gone we need a better striker than Martial if someone came along in the summer and offered us 40 million for him I'd take it yeah. Simple as that. Um, you know, um, I've been sort of more defensive, Marcel, than you have. You've been more critical, and I'm sort of come around to your view. Really, he's just not developed into the player we hoped he was going to. And I, I don't know if I don't think that's anyone's fault. It's just a mentality thing. I think with him, he's just only got he's got clearly on ability. I think he's maybe the exception of Mason Greenwood, the best forward at the club, right? On just talent. On talent, maybe the best. Remember that first season? He was incredible. I thought, geez, we've got... I think we all thought that first season. Like, we just got Thierry Henry. That's who we've got here. But we've got Thierry Henry at 19 years old, which we could never have dreamed of. But he's never kicked on. And, um, you know, I wonder even if Van Gaal had actually stayed on. I think he would have had issues under Van Gaal as well because Van Gaal would have wanted discipline, would have wanted effort. He would have, want, he would have wanted decisiveness. 
from players and confidence from players, and you just don't see it with him. And it's a little bit like the Paul Pogba thing. He's just not ended up being the player that we thought he was, or we thought he was going to be, and it's it's not happened. And you compare him to Rashford, who has added facets to his game. Every few months, I feel like he's added something new. I think he came back after his back injury, and obviously it's taken him a bit of a while to get into the swing of things, but I think his passing, his vision... His positioning, the way Rashford drops into half spaces, all of these elements he's added to his game to almost become like a kind of like a nine and a half, really, um, to become a more rounded player. Um, and then obviously, Martial has the issue that Cavani's come in, who is the finished article. Um, he, and then obviously, you've got sort of the next sort of young, bright thing as, as Mason Greenwood. And Martial's what twenty five now. Uh, you're just kind of at the point where you saying this is it's not getting any better, is it? And um, yeah, you know, so you need to be looking. I don't know if forward is a priority, but it's something they need to be looking at in in the summer. If they're off a decent money for Martial, they should be looking to move him on. Poor poor, poor Cavani um, missed out last night. I'm just I keep keep thinking. About well, it's his that. own fault. Like ah, come <laughs> on. I keep keep thinking about that father Ted episode and all these white people fucking middle-aged white people from the fa board who made that shit decision and they're just looking at cavani and they're like so you're a racist now father um you know seriously context has to come into this and we can talk about yeah, well, he's 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 got he's got an agent right he's got people around him one of those people not just is he not running those posts by no like, not all footballers do but... No, footballers do, Mike, and and I, I don't blame. He just yeah, like, context. Well, like, he used that's the same word that Luis Suarez used against Patrice. It's not, it, yeah, but it's it's not the same concept. And I know, I know, it, I know, it's the context because Suarez said it, and he saw Ever got upset, and then he kept saying it and kept saying it. I think the biggest and, like, difference Cavani's because Cavani's pretending that he doesn't know this. No, he doesn't know it because he 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 he. he it was a congratulate. He would get being congratulated after scoring two goals against Southampton. Is one of his friends said, "Well done," and he used that term in a totally different context. Whereas Patrice Evra did it against opposing a player trying to rile him up, and he knew the meaning behind it. And I think I think the what the, what the language academy in Uruguay have come out and said. And you know what? They're right. The FA are culturally racist with this decision to fucking do Cavani. Because you have to look at every incident. You think there's any any malicious behind this? There's not. Just give him a slap on the wrist. Tell him that you can't post that and do your your little thing he's doing to, to learn about the cultural differences in the UK and, and Uruguay. That's fine. But 100,000 quid, fine. I don't think it's as bad as what Bernardo Silva did. No, no, no. Either you, remember, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, him and, yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah. it's as bad as no. that because that was what he was drawing up was like a black and white minstrel cartoon. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, that, He didn't get banned for that. Did he not get banned for that? Did he? Or he got like one... No, he got one game. That's it. I think he got one game. See, there you go, okay? So that, that's And then they me. changed it. They then changed it to three matches because people went mad at the FA after that. So they panicked and they changed... But do you know how, how easy it is, Mike, right? And I know you're not a stupid person, but doesn't need, you could go to any part of the world. And there could be something that you do after you eat or something that in that culture where you are is so is so unacceptable. But you don't I mean, know. You don't know. So what? For me, 
for me, when I go somewhere, you know, but that's just the kind of person I am. You're researching. I'm a worst case scenario person. Yeah. I do a bit of research. Yeah. Um, and also just try and be extra careful sometimes, especially it's different for me than it will be for him because, you know, I'm an English person. Let's be honest, for quite a good reason. English people don't have a very good reputation abroad and deservedly so. Colonialism. So Colonialism. Basically. But what? And all the way just English people behave when they go abroad in general, which is fucking appalling. So I just partly as an English person behave differently. The one concept I would say about Cavani, you talk about Latin America, you talk about Cavani is, you talk about cultural racism. Okay. But Cavani is white. And the reason there are white people in Uruguay and Argentina is because the indigenous populations of those countries were wiped out in a genocide by white people. So, you know, I mean, if they, if the Uruguayan uh, Linguistic Institute or wherever they are want to go semantics on this, great. I will throw them back at you and let's see what you can come back with. And on that note, I think we leave it. Um, let's just hope that Cavani is back soon and scoring goals, Mike, because Martial did not look any closer oh, to it. Cavani back so badly. <laughs> just take the Instagram account away from him. Um, so... Please subscribe, make sure you subscribe to Stratycast, leave a nice review. And do get in touch with us on Twitter about the Aaron Wambasaka ordeal. I, do, I, I think maybe he's going through a tough part right now. I think the whole defence this season has been problematic. But I would not be closing the door on him just yet. I think he will. Closing the door, like I said, I actually think bringing in competition would be good for him. I think he looks like the kind of player where it might just spark him up a little bit. It worked with Luke Shaw, and I never would have thought that would have worked with him. So surely it'll work with Wambazaka. I'm going to be stubborn and finish this podcast on a one line. There's not a right back in England that I'd swap for Wambazaka. You're an idiot. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.